Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. Coming up today's episode is going to be our week five NFL reactions. Bringing back my good friend and co-host, Connor Larson. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, what's popping, Benny? Man, what is popping? We had a all things analysis week. We did pretty pretty well in our um, in my best bets. We did pretty well in our picks against the spread. We broke about broke about five hundred, just a smidge over. Um, and you you we both went two and zero in our fantasy leagues, right? I believe so. No, I lost in one. I Clyde and Hilaire lost by thirteen. You know, missing half a game, so it was tough. Misfortunate. Uh, Put up one eighty in the other, so at least there's that. <laughs> Yeah, and we and we did all right in our DFS. Had a couple of disappointments there, but we could get to that later on. Injuries, um, man. Injuries hurt uh, hurt our lineups in DFS. Really? They, yours did well, um, but you know you had Danny Jones as your quarterback, I believe. I had Max Williams at tight end, who whose legs separated in half. And oh, yeah. you know when you just kind of blank at a position or only get a quarter of play, it's really tough to compete with the other top lineups when you have Herbert and Brady going for a forty burger. Yo, for sure. And um, with the theme of those injuries, too, like I, I can't stress enough, like go back and listen to our episode 84. We did a handcuff running back draft and the importance of that, just looking at all those available running backs that might be still on your waiver wires, even after this week's, you know, if depending on how deep your league is after the waiver wire pickups of the week, you know, there are s- still going to be some guys that could you know be the, the next the next week's waiver wire targets maybe you're a week or two early to the next guy that everybody's gonna be trying to get after it's pretty nice you know i had Kadarius tony on both my rosters you know everybody in the waiver wire you know articles everybody's trying to say go again go get tony he's the he's the the next man up on the giants someone who's going to be a big part of their offense going forward you know in our in our leagues it's too late i got him you know it, you're you're a week or two early that's where you want to be um you want to be ahead of the curve and keep listening to us here, and we're going to be helping you out with that. So I, I can't emphasize enough. Go back and listen to our our, our running back handcuff draft. It was really, it was really helpful. I thought. I feel like in uh, in our league after that last episode too, like I there's no handcuff running backs left in our league. Every single one is rostered, <laughs> and I love that strategy because there's no reason you should be carrying like a sixth or a seventh wide receiver when realistically this guy is never going to start on your team. I'd much rather stash one of the handcuffs going into the week or, uh, you know, if someone goes on IR and just, then you could have a, a league winner. Whereas I'm on Ross St. Brown's probably not going to win you your league, but if you have Daryl Williams and Clyde Edwards, Hilaire tears his ACL and now you have one of the best uh, offenses and you have the running back on that team, I mean, that that's the recipe we're looking for. Definitely, definitely. All right, Connor, let's kick it off with one of our favorite segments of the week. We're going to start with the good. We're going to be the we're going to start talking about the vicious players of the week. The players who gave left it all out on the field, gave it all they had and performed to an up upmost excellent level. Connor, who is your vicious player of the week? My vicious player of the week was a guy we saw in last night's game. And that's Mark Andrews. He just absolutely dominated. And rarely do we see such an electric performance from the tight end position. And so when you have a guy go for 11 catches, 147 yards, two touchdowns and 37 fantasy points, that's a league winning type of uh, play right there for the week. And, you know, from the tight end position, it just, it helps your roster out so much when there's so much scarcity there. So he's my vicious player. Andrews, the breakout performance that 
all of his owners have been waiting for. The the usage and targets have been there for the most part throughout the season. Finally broke into the end zone. You know, I had a Mark Andrews first touchdown of the game bet, and it wasn't far off. You know, if uh, you know the Colts scored the first touchdown, that big Jonathan Taylor catch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I was, uh, if I, if I should, I should have just done Mark Andrews anytime touchdown score or Ravens first touchdown. I believe he was the, he was the first scorer for the Ravens. If I'm, if I'm not mm-hmm. right, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, big game from him. Did he, did he, did he, did Andrews have a better week than Connor Larson? Cause Connor Larson's my vicious player of the week. Um, <laughs> 180 points in the face of the league, buddy. Top scoring team by 30. I, I had Brady, Jonathan Taylor, Andrews. Like it, it finally all came together for my team. It just exploded. Corlin Sutton. I mean, we went off. <laughs> Vicious fantasy team of the week. Yeah. I, uh, my guy is going to be Justin Herbert. Wanted to highlight this game between the Browns and the, uh, the Chargers. And Herbert led his team to an exciting 47 to, what was it 42? What was the final score? Yeah, 47 42. <laughs> you nailed it. He he had an an excellent excellent game. Three hundred ninety eight yards, four touchdowns, had four carries for twenty nine yards and a rushing score. Sixty point five percent completion percentage. Not even that high. Just the volume was there, and, and this game was back and forth all game all day long. Um, and and he, you know there was even some like inefficiencies. They only had a forty seven percent successful successful play rate. But the point of it is just these were two teams that could very well be in the AFC championship with the chiefs, you know, trying to diminish defensively. The door is starting to be left open for some of these other competitive AFC teams. And we'll talk about some of the other, other competitors in this picture in the AFC, but the Browns and the chargers are more than likely going to be in the playoffs and competing, you know, for that AFC crown. And this felt like, it could be a preview possibly of the AFC title match. Um, it was that good of a game back and forth all, all game long kind of ended up just being who is going to be the last team that scored and it ended up being the chargers. They had that weird, um, you know, they've had it more than once. Now they've had like some questionable clock management at the end of the game, um, you know, where Eckler scored the, the touchdown at the end. Why didn't they just take the knee, kick the field goal? Um, <laughs> they tried. The Browns like yeah. carried him into the end zone. Yeah. There was no reason he needed to even be moving forward on that play. For sure. For sure. And they had something similar with the Chiefs a, a, a few weeks ago. And what I do like about this, though, is like the the Chargers are they they don't worry so much about the competitors. They worry about being their their be, their best selves, and that's honestly how I like to live my life. You know, try not to compare yourself too much to others. Be your best self. Like always, put your best foot forward. Don't worry. Love about it. As long as you're like your best version of yourself, that's all. That's all you can worry about. That's all the only thing you can do. It's all about what being vicious is all about. You know, and. The Chargers are always trying to be the best version of themselves. They don't care about. I mean, sh- sure, this is a game. You got to be crafty about it sometimes. But you know, when when they were facing the Chiefs, they gave the ball to they threw the ball to Mike Williams because they knew Mike Williams was their best player in that game. He had the matchup of of uh, of the game, and he was dominating that one. They ended up just throwing him the ball, scoring the touchdown, going up ahead. Didn't care about what the Chiefs had to say to answer. And then similarly in this one, I know they tried to maybe milk the clock a little bit more, maybe learn the lesson a little bit, but still Eckler was the best player for them in this game. And, um, you know, they ended up just running it in and, and taking it. And it ended up being a back and forth game and respect to Cleveland. I thought they had him in this one. They were, they were one of my, uh, my upsets of the week. And, uh, you know, I wasn't completely wrong. This was a, a very close matchup the whole way through 
ended up just kind of being who was the last one to edge their, edge out their opponent. Chargers, Chargers ended up on top. It was a great matchup. Yeah, just just an incredible game from Herbert, man. He's, he's right there for the MVP race. For sure. I mean, and similarly, honorable mention, Josh Allen, Fish's player of the week, too. I mean, Josh Allen had an excellent game um, against the Kansas City Chiefs. That hurdle over the uh, the linebacker for the Chiefs was unbelievable. That play was incredible. McDermott was talking about it in the press conference saying, you know, he can jump over me. I don't care. He keeps playing the way he's playing. Yeah. The uh, It's funny because I really liked how um, Bill Simmons was talking about um, he likes to talk about announcers. He has a passion for uh, announcers and he talks about them a lot on his podcast. He talked about Chris Collinsworth and how Collinsworth has like a, an affinity for Patrick Mahomes. He loves Mahomes, loves watching him. He just kind of has a man crush on him. And mm-hmm. when, Don't Allen, we when Allen started to take over this game, it start, he started to get the sense that Collinsworth was maybe switching some of that love over to the Allen side. And he, he like his, his heart was in his throat trying to talk about that Allen hurdle. He loved it. It was awesome. Oh, he loves quarterbacks, man, especially when they're playing well. He, he loves the game. And I, I love when Collinsworth's announcing. Yeah. You know, I, I love it when he does. It's just that voice. Is, it's uh, it's iconic. That was a great impression, but not bad. You, you, you went future for yourself behind the mic there buddy yeah right um all right connor next segment you're killing me smalls my favorite quote of the standlot movie um you're killing me smalls who is the who is the player players or or people that were killing you this week yeah for me it it, you know it's got to be that some some of the head coaching decisions is one of the things we were talking about so obviously gruden with his comments in the email from 10 years ago just horrendous he's gone Why so the raiders out lose out and no idea do, do we know how that got leaked i i don't i don't fully understand it but i'm glad it came out now because there's mm. no there's no time like the present for something like this you know mm-hmm. absolutely so in that that comes a week after the urban meyer news where he was out at a bar and a girl dancing on his lap so I, I don't know what these head coaches are thinking they're they're making worse personal life decisions than their players who they're supposed to be the mentor for. So, I mean, these guys got to get it together. Um, And then, you know, just along with, with what we're talking about in terms of Gruden and uh, Urban Meyer, I mean, some of the play, the actual decisions on the field have been very less than spectacular when you get into like what Urban Meyer has been doing with James Robinson and his utilization along with LaVisca Chanel and Marvin Jones only getting one catch a piece last game. I mean, I just pulling my hair out and how he's running that organization. Yeah. And <laughs> that Jacksonville game was just, the biggest indication of that this team does not want to play for him or do well for him or, you know, the players are never going to just like give up. That's just, that's just the nature of the NFL. Nobody wants to play bad because everybody's livelihood is at stake, but this is as close to a deflated football team as you could find. I mean, um, my thought was in this game that, maybe the offense for Jacksonville keeps it going because the offense has been trending in the right direction. And I mean, they had a 58% success rate and, but they only scored 19 points. So like they just really were not, they were not 
efficient with their offense. And I think that comes down to a lot of the play calling problems that you're talking about. And it's pretty disappointing. And you're right. I mean, the Raiders, clearly that whole email scandal was a distraction for them. They lost to a rookie quarterback and Justin Fields. And just two weeks ago, we were all incredibly critical of Matt Nagy and the offensive coordination for the bears. And they made the Raiders defense that was looking pretty promising early in the year look like, one of the league's most mediocre defenses that we can see. So it was um, not a good week for either of those franchises. We'll see how they progress going forward. I feel bad for the Raiders because they had a hot start and they were looking pretty good. And now they, uh, they lose their head coach. I don't even know what that team's going to look like going forward. We have to move them down in our power rankings. Cause it's like, we don't, what, how, right. how, how is this team going to adjust? We have, we don't, we have no idea. We have no idea how it's going to impact them. And you have to assume at this point, it's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, they dropped nine spots in our power rankings this week because of all the uncertainty. And, you know, obviously the, the negative uh, media around that team is going to affect the players and how they play. Um, you know, one thing I would love to contrast is if you look at like two bottom of the barrel teams, like the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Detroit Lions, and you see Dan Campbell's passion. He's, he's crying behind the mic for that team. He loves his guys. He loves his players. And I think they love him and they try hard when they go out there on the field. And so to see like his passion for his team, he clearly cares so much. And you contrast it with what urban Meyer is doing. And it's just like, this guy doesn't win. Detroit's going to win a football game or two this year. They're not going to win 16. I, I, I don't know what their over under win total is. I, I don't know if they're still putting them those up. Um, but you know, I would be interested if it gets like if it's like two and a half to three and a half, I might consider that. I think that team is playing hard and they've been so close and a few weeks in a row now. Two fifty yard field goals they lost them, you know. How does that the longest field goal in NFL history lost them a game? Like mm-hmm. come on. It's just so unlucky. It's just backbreaking. I could totally feel for for uh what uh Johnson. What, what's his um it's Dan Johnson? The head coach, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. I'm, I'm terrible at names sometimes with these guys. Thank you. <laughs> I, I didn't know where we were going with Johnson. <laughs> I uh, I feel I felt so bad for him when he was crying behind the mic. I was yeah. like, oh man. I, but that's also so cool to see. Like I told my wife, like, look at him. He's crying because he lost like the football game. But you know, you feel for the guy for losing just like in the way that they've lost. And right. um, it's his first year with the team. And it, it, it's uh, I think it's pretty cool as a, if you're a player in that locker room, you know, that mm-hmm. you know that uh, your coach has your back and wants to win, be winning these football games. So I'm sure they're going to try to take tick it up a notch to get that first win. Yeah. You got the dog in the background getting jacked up from Dan yeah. Campbell, man. He's like, yeah, I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's fuzzy making an appearance on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Shout out the fuzz. Horny and offensive coaching. That's definitely a, a worthy a worthy pick for uh, You're Killing Me, Smalls. Winner. Horny and offensive. My You're Killing Me, Smalls players of the week are, are the kickers. The kickers in the NFL. We saw the worst kicking performances across the league this last week. Rodrigo Blankenship's missed PAT last night on Monday Night Football. It was the 13th miss across the NFL that week. That is the most point after attempts in a single week missed in the Super Bowl era. It's, it was also also the 25th missed kick total in the week, including 12 missed field goals. It was the most missed kicks since week 11 of 1987. That's wow. like a different brand of football back in 1987. It's completely different. 
incredible, incredibly disappointing stuff. Like a lot less scoring, so I mean, a lot less opportunities for field I, goals. It's hard to miss that. Yeah. I think we're starting to finally understand why coaches are starting to go for go for it on fourth down so often. Like, who wants to see their kicker miss? It's the biggest pain in the ass. Like, I hate that games get decided so often on good or bad kicking. It's just like it. These guys, they're the they're the least athletic players on the football field. It, it, you you if you were to line up all the players that are playing this sport in a line, and you're just looking at them in like a police lineup, you'd be like, point the one out that doesn't belong. And and more times than not, it's like you point to the kicker right away. I know some kickers are in great shape sometimes, and it's just because you know it's an individual you know decision sometimes. Like I remember uh, your uh, the, the punter for the the Giants, Merriweather. That guy was yoked, and he's I think he's a mm-hmm. bodybuilder now, but. More more often than not, the, the kickers are the smallest guys in the field, the least athletic guys, and it's like it, it it sucks that the games are just being lost because of these guys' incompetence. Sometimes, I think part of it you're you're killing me, Smalls, ties in with mine too because coaches for years have been deprioritizing the kicking position. They don't sign you know big name players. They they kind of try to get a guy on the cheap to be their kicker. And then you think about a team with like a Justin Tucker and what an asset that is for the Baltimore yeah. Ravens to have him and his he's basically automatic anywhere inside the fifty and can still hit one beyond that. You know, so like maybe that's tied to some poor coaching decisions and they should have somebody on their team at the end of games that can get points on the scoreboard. I mean, that's actually pretty crucial. If you think about how many players on a field have an opportunity to score very few. I mean, is so Tucker's the best kicker in the league, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when you look at, I'm, I'm just, I pulled up like fantasy stats and I think, I mean, Tucker right now, he's uh, the kick, the 11th best kicker in fantasy, but that's just, um, you know, he's not 11th. These, up, these rankings haven't been updated. He is the fifth ranked kicker in fantasy right now, um, but he's got to be first. But right now, Tyler Bass for Buffalo is ranked first, um, but it, it's more or less. That's just because of usage. Um, but what would you pay? My, my question I was trying to get to was like, what would you pay or like, what would you, what, how high of a draft pick would you give up for Justin Tucker or a, a kicker who is as, nearly as automatic as, you know, some of the best kickers in their prime? Like, would you spend like a rounder draft pick on, on uh, back end first? Why not draft Justin Tucker? Like you get, you get Justin Tucker in his prime. I mean, what's the, What's the back end of the first round hit rate? It's not that great, you know, kind of once you get outside those first 10 picks or so. So I I don't see why not. If you knew you were getting Justin Tucker, absolutely. Like I have no problem taking him over to kill Harry or some of the other guys that go in that range. Sony Michelle. And, why don't you? <laughs> well, when I pop, what popped into my head were who were some bad, uh, <laughs> bad draft picks. And then I immediately jumped to the Patriots because they've had a slew of bad draft picks at skill position players. <laughs> Sorry there, bud. My two, my two examples were Nikhil Harry and Sony Michelle. <laughs> oh man, you are not wrong with those. All right, buddy. Those are where our you're killing me smallest players of the week. Let's talk about our biggest movers in our all things analysis power rankings. We both have updated our rankings following the week five uh, games, and we're going into week six now. We're over a quarter of the way through the season. Technically, you know, it's like four point two five or whatever is a quarter of the way through. Um, so between four and five, technically, but you know, it's about a quarter of the way through the season still, um, and. 
just kind of I mean if if you want to see our rankings completely, I gotta say you gotta go to the website, allthingsanalysis.com. Connor and I have been pretty good with this. Um, we're updating them weekly. And our biggest movers on the week is who we wanted to highlight here. Um, and I thought it was pretty interesting to see from a positive note, we moved the, the Bengals up as a as a team. We moved them up seven spots despite losing to the Green Bay Packers. And I I think what it was is the fact that we're starting to realize that the defense for the Bengals is is legitimate. They have a defense that is capable of keeping the the lid on opposing offenses. But we also saw that this this offense is willing to go toe-to-toe with some of the league's best. We saw that this team was a smidge away, less than a foot away from beating the Green Bay Packers, who are considered one of the league's best teams. Um, And Joe Burrow has a real connection with his LSU teammate, Jamar Chase. That was impressive to see those two, what those two did last Sunday. And this was one of those games that got decided by terrible kicking. I mean, both kickers were terrible. Mason Crosby and um, I can't remember the kicker's name for the Bengals, but um, Mason I mean, I Crosby, more like Mason Crosbar. I think his last name is McPherson. Uh, mm-hmm. He he kicked that fi- that he field goal. Thought he made it. Hit the hit the the flag at the top of the crossbar. Actually, I mean, it seemed like it might have actually been good, and the referees just they didn't give it to him. Um, and mm-hmm. it was really close. But poor guy. I mean, lost the game for his team. Really, five missed field goals consecutively it to close out that game until Crosby hit the game winner. So it was it wasn't one of the the, game, the week's best games um despite the poor kicking performances it was back and forth some explosive plays um what were your takeaways with this and, and why do you think we're ready to move the Bengals into the up the the middle to upper half of our our power rankings with this one i think a, a big part of what we saw with the Bengals is that we didn't think there was going to be a huge step up for their offense from last year they had a lot of similar position players you know, Jamar Chase, we thought we'd get off to a slow start, and yet he's got five touchdowns in five games. The guy's been incredible. He's immediately added uh, back to that team. Again, we thought Joe Burrow was going to be hesitant as well to start the season after coming back from an injury. The, all the reports out of training camp were that, you know, he he himself doesn't have a lot of confidence right now in his legs. But five weeks later, he he looks like Joe Burrow, you know, that we knew a healthy Joe Burrow. And so I think the fact that their offense is kind of back to and better than last year, along with the defense making some drastic improvements gives us both a lot more confidence, um, especially, you know, it, sometimes it takes a little bit longer to a team like the Bengals has to kind of prove it to you first before you move them up in the ranking. So it took us a few weeks, but I think we're there. Yeah, I'm not saying I mean, this is a team that is going to be like a fringe playoff playoff team, I think. And just I mean, I think the difficulty of schedule is pretty high Um, right now. They are currently ranked 12th in DVOA overall rest rest of season schedule right around the mid the midpoint 15. Um, So this is a team that should expect to maybe continue to see this kind of league average to a little bit above average performance. And uh, I think that's kind of where we have them right now in our power rankings. I, I I was not I was not surprised to see that that I was willing to move them this high, but you're right. It took some time to kind of get on board. But I watched a good amount of that game, and I'm ready to say that like you know, Burrow Burrow's legit, and I I was not 
I had I had low expectations for Jamar Chase coming into the season, but mm-hmm. man, was it impressive what he did last Sunday. I mean, some of the catches he was making, like he tipped the ball to himself. He um, he, he was just explosive, getting open seemingly on every every crucial pass route. The connection he has with Burrow clearly dates back to their college days. Um, and, and, you know, T. Higgins actually kind of seemed to have a down game. He had a few drops, pretty critical drops here and there um, late in that one. And I think T. Higgins is better than that. And so mm. I think there was actually even some room for improvement from Cincinnati's standpoint on offense. Um, the only worry I have is, you know, this this offensive line ranks 27th in pass protection on football outsiders adjusted, adjusted sack rate. So, um Got to keep Joe Burrow healthy. That's that's yeah. the, that's the big thing here. You got to get through this season. They're not contending for a Super Bowl, um, but Zach Taylor has been actually surprisingly competent from a coaching standpoint. He's got to find ways to keep Joe Burrow healthy. He hasn't been taking that many big hits in recent games. He's got to keep it that way. So that's the that's the key with them. The other team that we saw move a lot of spots was the Raiders, obviously, and for obvious reasons. In the other direction. <laughs> yeah. Minus nine spots here and into week six from week five. Um, oh, the, I was about to call them the Oakland Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders really just uh, had had a very rough couple weeks now. And I, like I said earlier in the pod, feel bad for them. You know, I, I, I like the players on this team. Some of them. I, I like Derek Carr. I think he's a good a good guy. He does a lot for his community. And um Really, just sad to see to see what's happening to him, man. I mean, finally, it finally felt like Gruden had figured him out how how to play best to his his strengths. Yeah, and I finally had all the pieces on that offense that he liked. You know, Jacobs, Waller, Renfro's a good screen. You know, little short play, pass player, and then you have Edwards and. And obviously Ruggs is a great field stretcher. So they, they have the pieces in place and Derek Carr looked good this year. And, but throw, throw a monkey wrench into that season. Yeah. I don't know where they go from here. They're 25th in DVOA on football outsider. So the advanced metrics do not like this team. They're 27th in offense. So, I mean, really the offense has been all about the big plays. I think they're like in the top five or six in explosive play rate on the season. Um, they don't know how to move the football consistently. And so that's what they've been relying on. And when you don't have a coach that knows how to drop plays to get guys open downfield, that's going to be a big problem for them. So it could get even worse for them on offense. Um, and they're, they're, the surprise with them was their 13th in, in, D, in defensive DBOA. So oftentimes coaching impacts defense even more so than offense sometimes. And um, that could be a little something that comes back down to earth because the defense was in the first place coming into the season their biggest area of concern. So it's kind of been um, an interesting season with the Raiders. It's going to get even more interesting um, after this whole debacle with their head coach. And um, really (laughs) my, my biggest personal regret is I, uh, I was kind of hoping that the Raiders would complete compete for a playoff spot. I have that Bill Simmons, six teams coming out of the AFC and NFC West divisions to make the playoffs. That's probably one I could cross off now. It's, it comes down to the Broncos, really, because I don't, I don't, I don't think the, I don't think all four of the NFC, NFC West teams are going to make it. I mean, there's got to be at least one of um, San Francisco or Seattle probably not making it. With Seattle missing Wilson for so yeah. much time now, and uh, I wasn't flicking you off, Ben. I was showing you the middle finger because because <laughs> of the injury. <laughs> watch it, watch it, buddy. 
I was watching, <laughs> I watch a lot of Sopranos. Don't you disrespect me like that, all right? Oh no. <laughs> you're watching, you're rewatching it because of the new movie? Yeah, I watched the I watched the uh Many Saints in Newark. Bridget's been watching the Sopranos, and so I hop in there sometimes. It gets it, nice. when you watch the Sopranos, it's like fuck this, fuck that. Like you just start to you, you start to feel like, yeah, <laughs> that Italian moxie in you. Um but yeah, Raiders are, are they, they've got some some negative Italian moxie within that organization at this point. Connor, why don't you take us home? Who are some of the other big movers here in our in our power rankings heading to week six? Yeah, so the the other team that moved up well in our rankings was the Saints. And this is the team I think we're both just having a, a tough time deciding where to put them. Do they have a bad offense? Do they have a good offense? Hard to know, but they look good this week. Do they have a great defense? Do they have a bad defense? It really varies week to week, but Lattimore sometimes looks like the best defensive coverage player in the league. Sometimes Jameis Winston is extremely efficient and throws for five touchdowns. Other times it looks like he can't find an open wide receiver on the field. So this week they looked really good. looks like some of their offense is gelling. Alvin Kamara finally got used in the passing game, which was one of the most um, exciting things for me as I ranked Alvin Kamara highly. I thought his usage was going to be fantastic. And to finally see Jameis use him as more of an outlet and offensive weapon in the passing game, I think will help open up this team. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, you know, the, the saints being at 12 in our rankings, it kind of makes sense. I think they're in the, right around that top third, but you know, a low end playoff team, maybe at this point with, with some potential. Yeah, they're a, a team that actually kind of played to an identity that was not what they were known for. Last week, they had some big plays and they also had some turnovers, which is not what they've been doing lately. They've been an incredibly vanilla team so far. Like they, they were dead last in explosive play rate heading into that Washington matchup. And they were they were, I think, third, third in turnover differential. And Jameis threw how many picks did he throw? Two picks, or and they had a fumble, and they were um, they were not their usual like consistent selves last week, and they kind of got away with it. With you know, I, I don't think Washington's defense is anywhere near that we were hoping they were going to be preseason. Um, but I think the Saints are a team that we could count on being at least a competitive organization for the rest of the season. And when you get to this kind of area, you get past the top ten. You're looking at a lot of teams that you don't really know what to do with them. I mean, we're talking about the Saints, the Niners, the Bengals, Titans, Seahawks, Panthers, Eagles, Broncos, Steelers. I mean, all those teams are kind of bundled into like, what do you do with them? Because week in, week out, you don't really know what version of those teams you're going to get. And you don't know what the health is looking like for these guys. I mean, you got the Seahawks and the Niners, who probably are the better teams in that bunch I just listed. Both starting quarterbacks out for an extended period of time. So what do you do with these guys? You don't know what you're getting week in, week out. I think the Saints are the most consistent team of that bunch that I listed you. Um, and, you know, at least Michael at least the healthiest. Yeah. Yeah. The healthiest. And Michael Thomas is going to come back within the next couple of weeks. That's huge. Probably, probably like week eight or so. It looks like um, that should be a, a big bonus for them, too. So that's only going to help. I think the Saints are probably just like I, I have them at 11th in my power rankings. You're 14th. I just I I. I I, I know what I'm kind of getting with the bank, with the saints in terms of, you know, I, I think they, they know how to find different ways to win. They know how to stay adaptable. Um, and, and that's kind of where I'm at with them. Yeah, it makes sense. And to, to this point, I think they're three and two and they've kind of weathered the storm a little bit without Michael Thomas uh, in their passing game. You know, Mark has Callaway has stepped up recently. One of the best, 
contested catch players that we've seen thus far on the season talking about that jump ball he caught before halftime. And then obviously in that pass game, when James was getting dragged to the ground and he caught one in the end zone, I mean, this guy in the one in the free season too, was a contested catch too. So to see him develop and if he, he, I think he can spot in and be a very reliable wide receiver too, with Michael Thomas coming back, uh, this offense should open up and continue to get a little bit better. So not a team that I was very high on coming into the season. I thought they were going to be, you know, kind of a bottom third team. So to have them right now, 12th overall, they've, they've definitely proven some things. And I think they're moving in the right direction. You know, solid coaching, I think is a big differentiator. You know, as we said, the vision, you know, you're killing me smalls so was bad coaching and, and the saints certainly have a good coach that they can rely on. Yeah, I agree. The other teams we had here, Titans moved up three spots. I know they'd be a lackluster Jaguars team, but uh, I think the Titans are just a, a, we're starting to figure out who they are as, as a, as a team and what they, what their identity is. And clearly it's, it's still Derrick Henry's team and, and they still can move the football on offense with that, you know, that uh, featured component of their offense. We also saw the chiefs move down three spots in our rankings. Um, the chiefs, they're just they're incredibly exciting modern team you know they're first in pass efficiency they're first in offensive dvoa first in success rate on offense but they're dead last on defense in both categories so it's we're talking about a lot of high scoring games the rest of the way with these chiefs and if patrick mahomes is going to continue to turn the ball over six interceptions in five games very uncharacteristic of him Um, if he's going to keep doing that it's going to be a major problem because this defense does not have the ability to uh you know, stop opposing offenses on short fields. They cannot they can't do that. He he got screwed though in the last game with the ball going right through Tyreek Hill's hands for a pick six. I mean, but I mean, part of that's got to be on the game situation and the, the the fact that it was just like a monsoon. And when your team loses their running back and has to rely on a passing game down behind in in a in that type of weather, it's going to be very difficult to claw back. So I think that's why they only dropped three games as opposed to farther, even though they're two and three, you know, they still are extremely talented and we both believe in Andy Reed and, you know, they've obviously shown that they can have success and when they're, they don't have one of the top defenses in the league, I think, you know, they're going to figure some things out. And I think the key is they have to limit those explosive plays. The, the Dawson Knox 60 yard play, the Emmanuel Sanders 30 yard touchdown, the Stefan Diggs 60 yard play. If they can kind of rein that in and, uh, you know, become at least a little bit better. Uh, even if they give up a lot of yards, if they get better in between the twenties and don't let up as much scoring, I, I think that this team has certainly upside from here, a, a lot of upside. The one worry, my, my biggest worry with them aside from the defense is the, is the fact that opposing defenses are starting to figure out that um, there's, there's a, there's a, um, a method to at least slowing down their offense on for Kansas city. And it's, you just, you gotta, you gotta shut down Tyreek kill. You got to double mm-hmm. him on every game, every play. Um, and it's clearly been a formula for moderate success. I mean, you're never going to completely slow down this Kansas City offense. They're just too damn good. But if you if you take away, you know, the, their most explosive weapon and you put your best cover, your best coverage uh, cornerback or linebacker on Travis Kelsey. I mean, most linebackers can't cover Kelsey. So you're probably putting your best cover corner on Travis Kelsey. Um mm-hmm you're at least, you know, slowing them down to an extent to, to an extent. I mean, they're playing pretty slow right now in, on offense. I think they're still in the, like the 25th to 27th range in pace of play. So it's not necessarily as, as characteristic as they typically are. And 
They're usually like a fast pace, get 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 out to an early lead in the first half. Um, and, and this offense is not, not has it hasn't been as explosive as they typically are. You're, we've grown accustomed to over the last few years. So we'll see how this goes forward. Um, I just um, you know this could be an opportunity to buy low on the Chiefs. Realistically, you know this is a team that we we've seen them overcome a, a decent amount of adversity. This is the most adversity they've been through as a team with Mahomes and Andy Reid. So we'll see how they bounce back, but. They know what they're doing. They're still one of the most professional, well-run organizations in this sport. Um, but there are some decent teams here at the top. I mean, I have the Dallas Cowboys, Arizona Cardinals, who are undefeated, Chargers all over the Chiefs right now. Um, and I think it's just because those those organizations, those those teams, those rosters are more well-rounded than the Chiefs. And when the Chiefs are operating at their at their highest ceiling, their their peak performance, it's tough to see them getting beat in the, in a playoff game. So. We'll see how this plays out. The defense is definitely going to need to get better, though. 32nd in, in DBOA on defense isn't going to cut it. They have a minus nine point differential right now in the season. They're being outscored by other teams, which is crazy. On the other hand, the Buffalo Bills, plus 108 in point differential. They're just smoking teams right now. It's, and so that's why they went up two spots. And they actually, for the first time this season, are the number one overall team in our rankings. Yeah, I've had them first the last two weeks now. Um, I'm buying in on this team, this roster. I think they're the most well-rounded team in the league right now. Um, they have, you know, they're not perfect. The offense is isn't perfect by any means. We they had us a little bit of a slow start, and uh, we're actually see them. The Bills are actually running the ball a lot. They ran the ball more than they threw the ball last week, um, and maybe that's a little bit more of the game script. And I think that's both the last few weeks have been you know game script dependent. They got out to big leads early, and so when you're when you have the lead like that, you're going to be running the ball more. But we'll see how this team you know when they get punched in the mouth, we'll see how they bounce back because they have this target on their back now. We're going to see how opposing teams when they get when they punch the Bills in the mouth, how is Josh Allen and and this offense going to return the respond? And we'll see how they do that. And I'm looking forward to. Um, trying to see how you know they 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 operate at the top of the NFL. They're they're the head honcho now. They beat the Chiefs. They're the team that everybody's going to be looking out to for blood, and we'll see how they respond to that. Yeah, it's going to be it's it's going to be an exciting rest of the season. There's a a lot of movement, which is fun. You know, seeing seeing teams like the Chargers and the Cowboys challenge and, and the Bills challenge kind of those traditional teams that we've seen at the top of the league for the past few few years is is really great. Definitely. All right, Connor, let's transition into some fantasy football advice here. Um, one of our bread and butter uh, topics here. We're going to do some post waiver wire pickup, something that we've kind of thrown a curveball into with our fantasy advice. You know, we're getting to you. You're probably listening to this following the the completion of your waiver wire pickups for the week. Now you're looking at who is available still for free agency. Who can you pick up on your roster um, heading into this week's week six slate of games? Who are some guys that maybe can boost up in value? And before we get into this, like I said earlier, you know, we listed a good bundle of guys that are probably still available um, in our handcuff running back draft last week. Um, and even if they are not still available, there are some guys that you could go out and try to trade before they get their biggest boost in value. Those these starting these starting running backs are starting to drop like flies, and n- enough can't be said about having some insurance as the backup there. Yeah, it's a great point. All right, Connor, we're going to do some post waiver wire pickups. Who is first on your list here? Guys who are probably still going to be available in a number of leagues following the waiver wires this week. Yeah, so somebody who I think could have a potential impact 
um, is Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, with Quintez Cephas going down, he had 10 targets this week. Um, and while we're both rooting for Khalif Raymond on that team, you know, Amon Ra has the the higher draft pedigree. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a league winner, but as a post waiver wire pickup, he certainly could be a fill in for some of the guys who are on by this week in your flex, or, uh, you know, if you're dealing with an injury. No, I like that one. Amon Ross St. Brown, a USC grad too. So, I, I like I like this young receiving core that the, the Lions have. We know we're big Khalif Raymond guys. We uh, went to college with him at College of the Holy Cross. Great dude. Having a, 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 a good. It's nice to see him get the opportunity that he's getting in Detroit. So I hope that he keeps it up. But um, from a fantasy pr- perspective, yeah. I think you might be right. Amon Ross St. Brown is a decent guy to stash on a, a deeper roster. Uh, he's a he's a guy that could get vaulted into a higher role, especially the fact that he's a rookie. You know, we, we see a lot of rookie receivers get the slow start and then they, they come on strong late in the season. I like that one. All right. My guy I'm going with first here, Jarrett Patterson, backup running back for the Washington football team. He's starting to steal some snaps away um, and some opportunities over the past two weeks from Gibson. Gibson, you know, Tony Gibson nursing that that uh, stress fracture that we heard about in his shin. That's not going to get any better. That's something that, you know, is going to be nagging him all year long. And I would not be surprised to see him miss at least a few games this year. At some point, you know, that, that pain's going to get pretty intolerable. He might need to rest it up, especially if Washington starts to fall out of contention. We'll see how that develops. Maybe Gibson even shuts it down. If they, if they start falling too far behind, Patterson seems to be the next guy up. You know, McKissick is getting all the passing down work. He got 93% of the long distance, um, long down and distance snaps last week. McKissick also gets all the two minute drill snaps, hundred percent of them. Um, but Patterson's is going to, if Antonio Gibson were to miss any time, Patterson, I think fills that role. Gibson right now is getting 59% of the snaps on offense, 66% of the rush attempts. I think all that rush all that work, almost all of it will go to Patterson. Should Gibson miss any time. Patterson is somebody that could be the next Daryl Williams, could be the next Devontae Booker, someone that is being you know featured in these waiver wire pickups of the week. Patterson might be featured on a number of those going forward at some point this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, once you talk about post waiver wire pickups, especially if you're in a really deep league, you're either looking at handcuffs or basically the handcuff to the handcuff. Um, you know, a guy that I think is interesting too, is, uh, Josh Kelly on the chargers, uh, Larry Roundtree didn't really play that much this week. And we're trying to figure out who's going to win that backup role for the chargers, either Josh Kelly, Justin Jackson, Roundtree, you know, if Eckler goes down and he, he's a smaller back with a history of injury, there definitely can be a lot of value on one of those top scoring offenses. So try to watch the snap share of whoever the running backs, the backup handcuffs are for the chargers. It's kind of been a carousel, which is why I think you have a chance for a post waiver wire pickup with one of them. Yeah, I like Joshua Kelly just for the fact that we saw what happened last year when Eckler went down. It was it was the Joshua Kelly, um, Justin Jackson show. And yep. I think we when those two were competing head on, we saw Kelly kind of differentiate himself as the more talented back. Roundtree definitely throws a little bit of a curveball into that that picture. You know, it, I, I, I put um joshua kelly on this list just because um I, I think he's the best of that bunch but um the value is going to be tough to extract um when you when you have three guys that are kind of equally talented in that back mm-hmm. backing up eckler but kelly if you're gonna if you're gonna go with any of them i think is the guy there right. yeah you know yeah justin jackson's already dealing with his own injury he's got a groin um and his usage rates haven't been fantastic either so 
definitely something to watch out for. Yeah. All right. My guy, we know this was somebody that we had in our running back handcuff draft still, still prevalently available across the leagues because he hasn't made his debut yet on the season. Darrington Evans, backup running back for the Tennessee Titans. He was designated to return from IR last week. Uh, but you know, the Titans gave him uh, another week or two to nurse his, um, I can't remember what injury he had, but he's coming off IR should return soon, you know, and if Henry Derek Henry should go down that, that I said this last week on, on, I said the same thing where this, uh, this workload that Henry has been picking up over the last few years, it's getting bigger and bigger every week. And the guy is incredible, but at some point, you know, where, where does the workload just get too much? And, you know, it's 17 game season. It's tough to, it's going to be tough for anyone to play every game. And Darrington Evans seems like he might be the guy to step into that role. You know, Tennessee really relies heavily on the ground game. If, if Henry misses time, I think Evans is the guy uh, that backs him up. And McNichols is getting similar to the McKissick role with Washington. And McNichols gets a hundred percent of the two minute drill snaps. He gets 91, 94%. Uh, last week, well, not last week he had 100% two minute drills. He had 73% overall, and uh, on the season he has 94% of the long down and distance. Those are the passing, the passing downs. Um, so he's the passing guy, pass catching back, um, change of pace for Henry. But if if Henry missed time, that Evans is the guy that's going to back him up and, and take over that that lead bell cow role that Tennessee loves uh, to use Henry as. And so I think Evans is someone that is a good stash for every Derrick Henry owner, especially because. Every Derrick Henry owner right now is riding him, like, mm-hmm. like he's their bell cow pony. Like he's 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 the, the the blue ribbon guy right now. He's the, he's the number one fantasy back right now, and uh, you need to get some insurance for this guy. You need to because if he goes down, your team is in some major major trouble. So if you own Derrick Henry, I would bust my butt to go get Darrington Evans as soon as possible. Yep, that's a great one. And for me, my last one is Paris Campbell. Um, I like that his usage has increased week over week. Carson Wentz has looked better and better as a quarterback. Michael Pittman has been handling a large share of the passing load, but that's recently decreased as Paris Campbell's workload has increased. I think, you know, he's a guy with previously had higher draft pedigree. Um, additionally, he was dealing with an injury early on in the season, which kind of explains his slow start. But in the past three games, he's gone from nine yards, 22 yards, and now 56 yards, uh, six targets last game too. So if he can steal a little bit more of that team's offense, you know, they're not the defensive juggernaut of last year. So they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. Uh, I like his opportunity. Yeah, I think that's a good one. My next one, my last guy to round up the segment, Dan Arnold. Traded from the Carolina Panthers to the Jacksonville Jaguars just a couple weeks ago. This last week, he pushed towards 75% of routes per pass play. Um, it's just a second game with the team. You know, he garnered 26% of the targets last week. He's starting to, his, his role is starting to grow in Jacksonville. They didn't trade him for nothing. They traded a first round draft pick from last year for him. Um, and Arnold, somebody that they went out and got, and they clearly prioritized the tight end position because it, they, you know, they lost DJ Chark now, and the, the passing the options are getting slimmer for Jacksonville. There's more targets to go around. LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones Jr. haven't quite been themselves. I think Dan Arnold could carve out a good chunk of, uh, of you know, targets here in this offense. And Arnold is someone that is widely available in a tight end position that is getting thinner by the week. And it seems like it's consistently hit or miss at this position and Arnold might be able to bring some consistency to that tight end position for the Jaguars. So I think he's someone that is worth stashing 
uh, at this point, he's going to be he's going to be widely available following a lot of wave wires, um, you know, this week. Anybody else that you want to just throw in there? I think Khalil Herbert for the for the uh, the Bears, you know, backup running back for the Bears. A lot of people, you know, they hopped on the Damian Williams chain train um, and Herbert seems to be getting a little bit of added usage there, too. So he might be, you know, he said backup to the backup. This is this is the backup to the backup. And Herbert might be even the more talented guy. He actually looks really good when he goes out there. So um, I think you know, if he gets a little bit of talent from his other namesake and Justin Herbert, he might be uh, doing all right there. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Right, right. No, I think the, those are the guys. Okay. All right. Let's go some, to some sell high, buy low. Let's start with the buy low. We usually start with the sell high. I want to switch it up. We'll start with the, the bad news first. You know, someone says, you want to be the good, I got good news and bad news. Let's give you the bad news first. You want to finish on a high note. All right. Buy low. Who are some guys that um, you're possibly considering of selling or, or trying to trade uh, for because their their value has dipped to their lowest or lower points um, to try to get some value out of those. Yeah. So a couple of guys we literally just talked about and Levis Schnall and Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones, Jr. Both coming off a one catch game, which is quite peculiar when you consider that DJ Tark is out and he was a major part of that offense. You have to expect that their target shares are both going to increase two guys that when they have the ball in their hands, they look extremely effective, fantastic wide receivers. So I think, I think that definitely yesterday is going to be one of their worst games of the season. And that, you know, there's a lot of upside for them as the top two leading pass catchers in the team that should be throwing a lot as they should be losing a lot of games and be playing from behind. No, I like that one. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is, has been getting better too. So that's encouraging. Um, you just got to hope that the, the Jacksonville offense doesn't just completely collapse just because of the poor coaching and, and the fact that they're going to be losing almost every game the rest of the ways. But I, I do think the talent is there with guys like Chanel and Marvin Jones Jr. So hopefully you're right in the fact that, you know, the targets are going to continue to come their way. We'll see how they, they capitalize on those. My guy to start off this by low and I, and I'm taking a swing for the fences with this one. I'm going to go after Calvin Ridley. I just don't think there's going to be a better buy low time for a guy like Calvin Ridley, someone who I had at the top five in my, in my wide receiver rankings to start the season. Um, and you know, I, I just don't think there's going to be a, I think this is the bottom of the barrel here. I think this is the lowest he's going to dip because you know, he doesn't go out to the London game for personal reasons. I don't know what, there was no clarification on what that meant. Doesn't go out there. And he's he has been widely disappointed mm-hmm. throughout the year, but the, the advanced statistic, the usage statistics suggest that this guy is still the the lead the lead guy in this offense. He's the number one guy, and I I know Cordero Patterson has been the story of Atlanta's offense. Kyle Pitts had a breakout week in London, um, but Ridley still is a target hog. Twenty two percent of the target share when he's been on the field. Thirty four percent of the Falcons air yards on the season. Trading for him comes with a risk. You know, he's a he's a high pedigree pedigree guy that you're probably gonna have to trade a decent value for in return. But I think this is someone that you could trade for for maybe top tier wide wide receiver two value and get a wide receiver one in return. So, you know, Atlanta's offense has been improving a little bit over recent over the last couple of weeks. Matt Ryan's looked a little bit better. He had a 56% success rate this last week. He was no he was PFF's number one ranked passer in week four. He had 7.6 yards per attempt against the Jets this last week, 342 yards, two touchdowns, three explosive passes, no interceptions. He's playing better. So I think this Falcons offense, you know, I don't like them 
as a whole, I think they have a lot of different, you know, they don't really uh, play to their biggest strengths. And I think Ridley is their biggest strength. And hopefully they figure that out at some point. Um, And I think Ridley is just too darn good of a receiver to get bottled down like this the rest of the way. He's someone that I'm willing to take a swing for. I know it's a high risk, but the reward is incredibly high. Yeah, that's a good one. I I like Ridley a lot. You know, we kind of have to wonder what that the scratch was last week. Maybe it was something to do with traveling. Hopefully, you know, nothing too too bad going on in his life. But I think it was just a lot of people don't like going to London. It's an eight hour time difference for the West. Eight hour time difference. COVID's still an issue. Maybe something you know related to that. But uh, another guy that is a buy low, but I wouldn't spend up on is AJ Brown. You know, he's a guy that back to back years, thousand yards. He's a double digit touchdown upside type of player. We're about a quarter away into the season. His usage has been extremely low. It's a little bit worrisome, but somebody also, I think that based on his talent is worth taking a shot on. Yeah. I like Brown. And for me, the usage isn't as much of the problem as just the efficiency, because he's been a guy that hasn't really demanded a whole ton of volume to produce from a fantasy perspective. We've seen him put a monster fantasy days with like four or five catches. So mm-hmm. I like that one. I think, like I said, Brown is someone I'd be willing to go on buy low on, but I'm not willing to spend, like you said, I'm not willing to spend um, the price tag that he was bought for right. at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Like two guys in that same range, like the Allen Robinson and the AJ Brown. Right. But AJ Brown's circumstances haven't really changed. The Titans are largely the same team on offense aside from Julio Jones. But um, you look at, the bears on the other hand, and they have Justin Fields starting a quarterback right now. Who's they've been not really using him the same way that they've been using the other quarterbacks in previous years that Allen Robinson previously played with. And obviously the passing game is a lot more conservative. They're drawing up some dialed runs now. And that offense doesn't necessarily look very explosive. Um, Darnell Mooney seems to be even more of a favorite than Justin Fields uh, in that situation. So I'm much more worried about Allen Robinson than AJ Brown. Yeah. I mean, it's been uh, the passing offense for, for, um, for uh, the bears has been horrendous with fields. And so I think that you're right. I, I, Robinson's not someone that I'm looking to go and buy, uh, but Brown was someone I'm willing to take a flyer on. I like that. All right. My next guy I'm going with here. Um, I'm gonna go with Jerry Judy. I personally just traded for him. Um, I think, you know, he looked great in that week one. And, and this is kind of a situation that explains itself. Someone that people were incredibly high on coming into the season, coming back maybe in a couple of weeks, maybe you're a week too early to the, to the, to the thing, to, uh, to the, the, the Jerry Judy show here. Um, but you wait too long with Judy and the owner, the owner that has him has been sitting on him long enough to be like, you know, I'm going to sit, I'm going to wait just a little bit longer to try to get the rewards when he comes back. Um, and so, you know, he's probably two, still two weeks away, maybe three weeks away. I would still go out and get him because he could be a solid wide receiver to the rest of the way. Yeah. Bridgewater has also been better than, you know, advertised even with with um, the Denver Broncos when he's been healthy on the field and hasn't been healthy all for the, the entire season. Um, but he has been a little bit more aggressive than we anticipated. And and uh, the Broncos rank in the top 10 in explosive play rate on the year. And, um, you know, that's going to build well for Judy when he comes back. Yep. And, you know, KJ Hamler done for the season too. So those deep plays are going to be going to Judy and Sutton. Um, uh, yeah, I definitely like that call. Okay. Is that, is that it for your, your by low guys? Uh, one more guy I wanted to mention was TJ Hawkinson. Uh, you know, 
three straight kind of stinkers compared to the first two weeks of the, of the season. And he's, he's clearly the most talented offensive player as a pass catcher, maybe outside of Deandre Swift uh, for the Detroit lions. You have to think that he's going to start to pick it up and look more like week one and two and less like, you know, week three and five. And even if it's somewhere in the middle there, I think you're still going to be able to get a value rest of season. You know, when we're talking about tight ends that, that uh, tight end position is typically very scarce. So TJ Hawkinson's a guy that we, we still have confidence in even after a few, uh, a stretch of bad games. Yeah. I like Hawkinson, the talent, the fact of the matter is that, like, there's just, he needs guys like Amon Ra, St. Brown and Khalif Raymond. Quintez Cephas, I think is out for an extended period of time. Is he out for the season? Possibly. I think he's out for a long time. I'm not sure on that one. His injury is, um, but he needs his, teammates other pass catchers in this offense to perform better because he's being double teamed on almost every play he's being treated like Tyreek Hill but he's not Tyreek Hill so we'll see how this plays out I like Hawkinson the talent um the opportunities might get more difficult for him he's having a hard time getting some separation over the last couple weeks and he admitted it he said that to the press you know I'm just getting I'm getting double teamed on every play when you're the only guy in an offense that isn't good that's pretty tough. So I think it's going to result in some inconsistencies, but you're right in the fact that, you know, Hawkinson still one of the most talented tight ends in this league. And this, this tight end position in fantasy is just so thin. He's an opportunity for a top. He could, he, he's one of a very small bundle of guys that could finish as a tight end one on any given week. So, you know, a buy low opportunity is definitely in the cards here for that. My last guy I'd go with, you know, Chase Edmonds running back for the Arizona Cardinals. He's been playing through a shoulder injury. Um, you know, this game against San Francisco this last week, he got a lot of the short yardage run situations, but he's also been still heavily involved in the passing game. He's a, a top four running back in terms of target share in his team's passing game. Uh, I would not be afraid to go out and grab him. Uh, he, I think, you know, we've yet to see him. He's been, you know, moderately successful to start the season, but we haven't seen, you know, we've, we've seen previously in other years, you know, Chase Edmonds is, is capable of a major breakout week. Like he could put up a two to three touchdown week at any given point. And, you know, a, a good matchup is, um is on, it's on, it's on its way with, with him. And he could have a big game at some point in the near future. Um, and Chase Edmonds, once he does that, is going to be considered as a, you know, a high end running back too. And that's when, you know, the, the buy low window is going to be closed. I would go out and maybe try to trade for trade for a guy like this um, before he has that big breakout week because he is an explosive running back. Um, the shoulder injury doesn't seem to be hampering him too much. I think James Conner is showing that he's not he's not explosive. He never has been in his career, um, and he's going to stick around to handle some of the short yardage situations. But it's it's nice to see that Edmonds is still being used all, across all situations here for the Cardinals. He's their main guy. Um, and the Cardinals are an excellent team. So if they're out in front or trying to handle leads going forward, Edmonds is going to be, you know, even more critical then. Are you worried at all about the James Conner goal line usage? Not so much. Um, when you look at just the usage between the two, um, I'll pull up the McFarland, McFarland um, usage utilization here for the Cardinals. Um, Edmonds is still getting a lot of that, that usage here. Um, you know, he's getting 88% of the path, 89% of the long distance, um, long down and distance passing yardage situations. 
Um, those are oftentimes very good for fantasy value. He's getting mm-hmm. 76% of the two minute drill snaps. He's getting uh, 36% of the short down and distance. And that's been increasing. He got 50% last week, 67% the week before he's being used across all formats here um, for the Cardinals. And they even started to use some 21 and 22 personnel where they have both Connor and Edmonds on the field at the same time. So clearly Edmonds is the guy that they want on the field the most. And, the the shoulder injury is the only thing that's kind of keeping him from even a higher usage rate. And, um, you know, Connor has never been that guy that is um, incredibly explosive. And it, I just don't, I don't see him being incredibly um, a dampering to Edmonds's fantasy value. You know, that, that the goal line usage, you know, maybe you can make a case. He vultures a touchdown here, touchdown there, but Edmonds is the main guy here, and he's going to have a big game at some point soon. And when that comes, it's too late. You ha- you're by low windows shut. Yeah, I, I, especially in, in a PPR league, you know, talking about the the down and distance and two minute offense. Chase Edmonds is obviously a stud in those formats. Definitely, definitely. All right, we're going to some sell high guys here. In the contrary to buy low, we like to sell high. We got these guys here in our in our list of the sell highs. Guys who, you know, are performing really well, and maybe we don't expect them to keep that keep that performance going the rest of the way. We we think that these these guys' values are destined to decrease for whatever reason. And we're gonna kick it off with I'm gonna start with my guy Miles Gaskin. You know, had an excellent excellent week five. I think this is where you got to start this whole segment because we saw we saw Gaskin really struggle the first four weeks and then he comes out and has an awesome week five performance um, and <laughs> really not much to it besides the fact that you know this is a guy that the Dolphins offense is is just horrendous this year and they clearly just needed Gaskin and he was hit he had ten receptions this last week that that's not like something that a running back sustains throughout the season. We saw his short down and distance snaps go from 13% in week four to 100% in week five. His, his long down, down, long, uh, down and distance snaps went for to, up to 43%. He got 60% of the two minute drill compared to 41% on the year. Like a lot of his usage spiked this last week. He had 14% of the snaps in week four. He got 71% in week five. Malcolm Brown is going to continue to be a problem in this, in this offense. He only got 9% of the snaps in week five. I think, I don't think that's I, clearly they, they, they value Malcolm Brown. They value Salvin Ackman, like, Gaskin's opportunities are going to be limited. He's he's not an efficient back. Like he's, I like the talent. I just don't think this offense is optimal for. A, a, he's not a running back too that I could trust. You know, maybe in the right in the right matchup, I'm happy to put him in my flex occasionally. But he's not someone that um, I'm willing to you know rely on week in week out. He just had this big week. Maybe cash in that value. Yeah, too much fluctuation from his output so far. Yep. Come on to rely on him week to week. So it's a great it's a great time on a sell on a spike. Definitely. All right, who's somebody that you're selling high? For me, it's not a single person, it's a group of players. It's the tight end tier two guys. And so I'm talking about here, we're talking about Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, Dawson Knox, some of the guys that have really over the past couple of weeks or just last week 
exploded and they're not quite looked at as Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller. They're not as consistent. Uh, and what I'm hoping to do with one of these guys is, you know, I'm not selling them for pennies on the dollar. I'm trying to upgrade. I'm trying to, for the very rare situation, take my tight end, take my Kyle Pitts or Mark Andrews and say, Hey, let me package him with, with a flex type of player. You know, a Damian Harris is a guy we were talking about in the, in the pregame show. So if, uh, we go ahead. If I offered you Kyle Pitts and Damian Harris for Travis Kelsey, you know, that's something that the Kelsey owner is going to have to consider. Um, and if they, if they need a, a running back and you can spare one, you know, a, a running back three or flex type of player to go along with that tight end and you get a chance to get the top tight end of the league. I mean, I, I have to jump at that. Yeah. I mean, good luck trying to get, Kelsey or Waller away from any of anybody who owns them. Uh, they, they were, they cost a pretty penny in draft season. Um, but these guys, Pitts, Andrews and Knox have been all respectable. Um, and so my guess is you probably have to give up more than Damien Harris in addition to these guys to get Waller or Kelsey, but it could be worth it because clearly this tight end position is just so thin that if you own Kelsey or Waller, you're, it's nice to just, you know, set it and forget it. You know, besides the bye week, these guys are just going to be consistently, major assets to your fancy lineup. So I don't, I don't, I don't hate that strategy. I think it's pretty smart. My guy, my next guy here uh, in, in our sell high segment, Antonio Gibson. And this one got Connor's head scratching a little bit. I'm selling Antonio Gibson with the, with the Washington football team, because I know he's a great running back. I know he's, he's talented back. He, he's currently the RB 12 on the year. Um, I think this is the best you're going to see Antonio Gibson. He's got the shin, the shin injury, a stress fracture in his shin. That's not going to get better. Washington is not a good football team. Washington um, is going to be losing a lot of games. They're going to be trailing a lot of games. This defense is going to give up a lot of points. And that's going to mean J.D. McKissick is going to become more involved when they're behind. J.D. McKissick handles a lot of the passing downs, a lot of the two-minute drill offense. Gibson's role is defined. He is going to play in between the twenties. He's going to play the goal line role. He's going to, you know, play first and second downs. He's going to be, you know, consistently in that 60 to 65% of the rushing attempts. He's going to see maybe five to 8% of the targets. He's limited to early down work. And McKissick is just going to continue to eat into all of his fantasy value with the passing work. I just, I just don't see how we could look at Gibson and think that this value is going to get any higher. And I, you know, if, if you're Antonio Gibson owner, you know, you, you've had a, a couple good weeks now of some pretty solid performances. I think you, you could get a lot for a guy like this. You, you, could, you could get a, a lot of depth or you could get a wide receiver one. You could maybe even try to swap up to get one of those elite running backs. Maybe even like a Christian McCaffrey who's been out the last couple of weeks. Maybe the McCaffrey owner forgets how great and how amazing McCaffrey is. I doubt it, but it's worth it's worth trying testing the waters because Antonio Gibson has that kind of pedigree of an elite running back. I just don't see how this gets any better for Gibson the rest of the way, especially with that shin injury that you know has to has to eventually cost him some time. You you have you have to think, you know, a stress fracture doesn't get better when you use it. It's the the definition of a stress fracture is you develop that from ex, uh, extensive usage, and the only way to heal it is to rest it. And he's not going to be resting, so. I don't know. I, I just don't see how there's just not a whole lot of optimism for um, an avenue for Gibson to continue to grow as a running back this year. I think, um, you know, the RB12 is his, his peak value. I would definitely consider trying to see what I could get for a guy like this. 
Yeah. All right, Ben, I might reconsider. I you know, kick the tires on a couple of trades. Yeah. You convinced saying, me. He, you're not selling for pennies on dollar. This is the sell high segment. You're trying to get that. Oh, no pennies on the dollar. I said, yeah. kick the tires. Another, you know, another, you know, not some trades, see what we can do, but yeah. I would, I would. All right. All right. Do you want to trade for him? <laughs> <laughs> you have any, any, any last guys in this segment here? Yeah. Another guy um, I, I would sell high on right now is Amari Cooper. I'm worried about his usage rate right now. You know, there's a lot of competition for targets in that offense. And I, he's, a, he's already a player who's typically been inconsistent this year. I think that's going to even hit harder in the second half of the season with the emergence of CD land this year, Dalton Schultz has looked like a, an integral part of that offense. And they've really wanted to establish the run the past three or four weeks with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Bollard. Um, so yeah, Amari Cooper is still his his average is, is very much being propped up by a big week one. He had 13 catches, 16 targets in that in that uh, NFL kickoff game game uh, the kick season. Help me with my words right now. I can't talk. It's 12-12 on the East Coast. I'm doing my best. It's past midnight. The first game of the NFL season. Yeah. All right. There we go. Uh, but since then five targets, four targets, three targets, six targets. And in each of the preceding four games, he only had three receptions and the last two games, he had a touchdown. So while his yardage totals were again, under 70 yards in each of those four games, the past two games with the touchdown, keeping his average up a little bit, if he doesn't get the touchdown, I mean, we're all slip pulling our hair out. So I definitely would try to see if I can move Amari Cooper now somewhat for that, like wide receiver two value that he was going for in drafts, because I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver two the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, Dallas offense has so many mouths to feed when Gallup comes back. That's going to be tough um, to just keep everybody happy and satisfied from a fantasy perspective. So Amari Cooper is someone that I, his his pedigree, his reputation in fantasy football consistently boom or bust. You know, when it's booming, it's booming. You know, it's good. You're eating. But when it's when it's famine, when it's when it's bust time, it's like, man, you're 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 really hurting and you really can't afford that. Um, when you get down to it at the end of the fantasy season and the playoffs and stuff like that, you gotta you gotta rely on your on a guy like Cooper, and you gotta rely on him to be consistent. And I don't know that he's gonna be that this year. I think that's a decent sell high candidate. All right, my last guy. Um, I, I don't. I, this is someone that we didn't prepare. I'm, I, I want to throw Leonard Fournette into this mix. Leonard Fournette, the running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's the running back seventeen on the year right now. Um, I just don't see um, Fournette continuing this this production. Fournette, you know, you look at the the running back work share in Tampa Bay's backfield. Giovanni Bernard takes he takes a lot of the passing down work. He's got seventy one percent of the passing down work last week, eighty nine percent in week three. He missed week four. You look at Fournette's passing down usage ninety three percent in the week that Bernard missed, and the weeks that he was there eleven percent in week three, twenty nine percent in week five. Pretty indicative of what what they wanted to use this, this running back tandem, this running back group, a trio for, you know, Fournette's going to be the guy that's going to be used primarily as, you know, the pass blocking guy is going to be primarily as the lead back, but Bernard's going to eat a lot of that usage um, in the passing work. And Fournette's, you know, he's the lead guy in, in, in Tampa Bay's backfield. He's going to be their main guy, but the, the, the workload is going to continue to decrease in these long and long down distance snaps, but also Tampa Bay has the most difficult ranked schedule the rest of the way for opposing defenses for running backs in fantasy. Number one, they have one star in fantasy football pros 
um, rest of season's rankings for running backs. They're the only team besides the Las Vegas Raiders in terms of uh, one star for for opposing defenses for running backs. So Fournette really has a tough going the rest of the way. If he's not going to get used in passing downs, that's going to be tough for his fancy value. I don't see how he maintains that running back 17 value. I'd probably sell high on him. Oh, it's a great point because you look at what the Tampa Bay offense wants to do and what they're doing so far. They're leading the league in passing yards with 1,747. They're dead last in rushing yards. So, I mean, if that doesn't convince you that this offense centers around Brady in the passing game and if Fournette's got not getting that passing game, they like him. They do. He's had a couple big games. So I definitely think the time to unload your Leonard Fournette shares his workload's not going to be there. They don't prioritize the running game and he's being propped up by, by a couple of touchdowns so far, you know, obviously Ronald Jones has already been kicked to the curb. So there is that, um, to bolster his value a little bit, but the usage, I mean, the, the yardage output seven, 1,747 versus 410. That's the difference between passing yards and rushing yards. Talking about four times the amount. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap it up for our sell high. You don't have any more, do you? Okay. It's going to wrap it up for the sell high segment, Connor. That's going to almost wrap it up here for the podcast. I wanted to ask you one quick question. So we, I, I I wanted to wrap it up with the, the theme of baseball. You know, we're in the baseball playoffs. I'm a big baseball guy. Um, some exciting stuff been going on. The Red Sox taking on the Astros in the ALCS. Um, actually, having got a chance to check on the score, the Dodgers and Giants are playing. As, a, as we record this, that's been a back-and-forth series in its own right. I personally have a little bit of dough on the, on the Dodgers winning in five games. It looks like they're going to go to a fifth game. Optimistically, the Dodgers are five, up 5-1 in the seventh. As, as I'm talking right now. So um, with the theme of baseball, you know, the Braves has advanced too as well. Um, it's been an exciting time for the sport. I wanted to ask you, you know, in, in like in school, you know, an athlete will play like football in the fall and then they could go play baseball in the spring. Like imagine a world where like athletes could just go from one sport to the other as baseball is wrapping up. Who are some, who is a player like that you would, you would definitely want on your football roster from Major League Baseball, like all, all these limited players that, you know, going home to rest for the offseason. Who is the one player in baseball that you would be like, man, I got to get this guy on my, my, on my football team during the offseason because this guy's an athlete and he would be a difference maker for my football team. Yeah, I think when it comes down to that type of evaluation, you will kind of want to look at the five tool players, the guys who have really good hands, the guys who are very fast, the guys who kind of have a stocky build that look like they could, you know, at least handle a football game in the pounding that, you know, those guys take on the field. So the guy that immediately jumped into my head was Mike Trout. And I think he did for you too. He kind of fits the build of a, he he fits the build of a running back. Absolutely. And you know, he can catch the ball. He's very quick, but he's stocky enough to where I think he could shake off a few hits too. Yeah. You know who I got to go with? Yermin Mercedes. The, the, the DH for the, the Chicago White Sox. I don't even think he's playing for the White Sox. They just got eliminated, but he wasn't even on the roster. But he had an excellent torrent start to start the season. I think he had like a hit in like 15 or 16 straight games to start the year. I think, you know, I think he had a home run in like seven straight games. Um, big dude, like just like built like a bowling ball. I think he would be an excellent fullback or like an excellent uh, like linebacker or something like that. Big dude. And um, similarly, I'd, I'd go with Daniel Vogelbach, first baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers. He built, he's built like a thumb. He looks like, he looks like my, my index thumb right there. Like he's just, he's got shoulders like a barn. His, his arms are like as wide as a, as a 
there's a car tire. Like he's just got like 26 inch biceps. Like he's, he was massive. He's, he, he's built like a brick. Like, um, I'm looking for someone who's just going to move guys on the football field. And I think Vogelbach and Mercedes is, are the two that, uh, I, I came to my mind in terms of just, they're, they're so built. They're so big. I think it'd be cool to see them play, play a little football. Yeah. I mean, a couple of guys that look like football players on the field are Aaron judge and Giancarlo Stanton because they're just absolutely yoked. Jordan, but, Jordan Alvarez for the Houston. Right. Huge. Um, you know, an interesting one too, I was thinking about, cause I was also thinking, but you know, there are different types of NFL players. You don't always have to be yoked. Um, but guys who are very strong and fast for their size, I was thinking maybe like, um, Tatis, would be a great like scat running back or something. Not you know, he'd be a lot of fun. Wide receiver. I could totally see yeah. wide receiver. Oh yeah. So absolutely. I he, I for some reason just like Jamal Charles popped into my head when I thought of Tatis. So just someone who like can catch the ball, who's very electric, really good with the ball in his oh, hands. Kind of. Aren't Jose Altuve as the running back? He's, he'll squeak underneath everybody. Just, Gigante. <laughs> everybody. He's so small and quick. That'd be fun. That's a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it here for this episode of Vicious Talk with Benny P. Connor, have you been watching any good television lately? What have you been watching with Demi? Um, there's a new show on Hulu with Selena Gomez and Steve Martin. Um, it's called Only Murders in the Building, and I think that one's really fun. Uh, it follows the characters as they kind of... It's like a murder... Yes, except it, they play on the trend of emerging podcasts that follow the different murders, kind of like the, <laughs> you know, everybody was enthralled with this Gabby Petito case, right? So it's kind of that same idea where everyone's create, they're trying to create their own podcast about a murder that happened in their building and they end up investigating it and get wrapped up in the whole case itself. So it, it's really fun if you kind of like a detective show with a lot of, it's very funny and lighthearted, but also has that crime and mystery involved. And of course it has Selena going. So <laughs> that's always great. That's always great. That's funny. Yeah. I, uh, I've, I was a big fan of, I watched the, uh, the many saints in Newark is like I said, a big ode to just the Sopranos world. And it, it was nice to be back into it. Uh, my wife has been rewatching in the Sopranos series. It's nice to just kind of see your old friends back in the Sopranos. It's like just talking with you, the mouth, your hand to your mouth, like, hey, Tony Bacala, you know? So the storyline with Pussy is coming up. It's kind of sad when that stuff happens. It's like, yeah, he, he has to kill his best friend. It was a bit of like, they got to knock him off. Yeah. yeah. But um, it, it's been a, a really fun time getting back into that. I'm looking forward to a lot of stuff coming out. We got Succession coming out uh, this Sunday. I'm really looking forward to that. Billions has been back. I don't know if the season finale has been out for that. I've been trying to catch up with Billions. Ooh, don't don't spoil it for me. I, I didn't realize uh, Billions was back. Yeah, it's 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 a few episodes into the restart for that. So it's uh it's been a good time for television. Uh, looking forward to uh you know catching up on a lot of this stuff. So I wanted to wrap that up with 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 you here on the pod. Love it. All right, buddy. That's going to do it here for Vicious Talk with Benny P. Any last words for uh, for all things analysis, Connor? I would definitely you know check out our, our power rankings. We're keeping track of you know week to week which teams are the biggest risers, the biggest fallers. So I think that's always fun to check out. I think we have some really uh, good stats up on the website, including you know like looking at the team's point differential, things like that. You you definitely get a very holistic picture of the season. So definitely check out all things analysis. We're we're gonna keep crushing with our DFS picks, and you know you've been crushing with your best bets on a weekly basis. So we have fresh content coming to you guys every single week. All things analysis analysis.com and make sure you follow us on our socials too definitely who are you on tampa bay or philadelphia for thursday night 
Oh, just to win the game, Tampa yeah. Bay. What was the line for that one, though? I think it's Tampa Bay, like minus three and a half or so. But I haven't. Checked. Okay. I, I I really am a sucker for the Eagles this season because oh, I really love Jalen Hurts. But it was seven, I think. I I would take the Eagles at seven. That's a big line, but Brady has been crushing teams. So. so. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be a good matchup. I think the Eagles had a good uh, surprising win last week, so we'll see if they keep the momentum going. All right, Connor. That's going to do it here for Fish's Talk with Benny P. Uh, don't, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on all your podcast platforms. Spotify lets you do stars now, too, so we really appreciate it. Put, put five stars for us. And if, give, us give us some stars. If, if you think we're four stars or three stars, like reach out to me. Let me do my best to try to convince you um, that we're, we're five stars. You know, Maybe ask me like a fantasy question, like who do I start or sit this week? And if I get it wrong, you know, you can maybe knock off a star on my rating. Well, maybe we can play a little game that way. And uh, if I get we're going to move up in the Spotify algorithms. If I get it right, you got to give you got to leave me five stars and like a, a raving review saying vicious talk with Benny P is just the, the greatest, the greatest podcast I've ever listened to. Can't wait to hear them every week. Connor and Ben are a joy and a blast to listen to. I think because I, I think it's a very truthful statement. I love it. I love it. A hundred percent true. <laughs> All right. Connor. True words have never been spoken. <laughs> you are, you are correct there, buddy. All right. Last question for you, buddy. Don't forget to ask yourself at the end of the day, are you vicious? <laughs>